not scared. I'll beat the brakes off the average one if you run up on me. Don't tell me. But what happens, I use my humor. Stay fly, stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. You're listening to The Fly Guy Show. They do everything on the fly and in such a fly manner. Stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. Stay fly. All that Bacardi. We're live. Hey, we're live. All right, it's back. It's uh, DJ Seiko and... DJ Polo, boy, J. Hamp, all that good stuff, man. T-Town representative, how are you doing? Red skin, stand up. All right, I'll let that pass. All right, man. Yo, it's uh, Daddy Man Radio at the YAP Studios. Daddy Man Radio was all about fatherhood. We talked to great fathers about those defining and pivotal moments in their fatherhood experience. And today, I have a gentleman with us who... Um, I don't know what to say about this brother, man. When it comes to leading, guiding along the way, this man is is the definitive icon for that. And he's a definitive icon in the realm of fatherhood because he's involved with the national fatherhood. I mean, this President Barack Hussein Obama sat down with this brother. Mm. To talk fatherhood, to make sure that fatherhood gets spread amongst our nation. So, this dude, um, why don't you introduce yourself, Dr. Hayes? Well, I'm Mark Drugas Hayes. I'll t- let's keep the doctor off, because that is to praise him daily, even though I am transcript verifiable. I appreciate this time, and let me say this before I begin, that all fathers, no matter where they are, they're constantly, constantly being observed by their children. I don't care where they are, what station in life. They're always constantly observing their fathers. And I'm here not just as a father. I'm here because I'm a son of a son. And being a son of a son, that means that my father and I were brothers. Mm. Yet he was my dad. Okay, you're going to have to go deeper, bro. Go deeper. Yeah, well, let me go deeper with that. I will. Let me, let me oh, go Oh, you picked deep. it up already? I will. See? Oh, I sure. <laughs> no matter where you are, when my father, and by the way, I had three fathers. I had a natural father. Okay. I had an adopted father. Hmm. I had a spiritual and intellectual father. Hmm. Before uh, we had the, want to say, technology and the experience medically to have surrogate mothers, my adopted father saw fit to pay for another woman to have a child for his wife who lost seven children. So when I came into the world, I came into the world with the spirit of fathering as a result of my father, who was born in 1896. He was 29 years older than my mother. So what do you say about that and what do you do? So when I sit, I sit based on what was instilled in me in the incubator, but more importantly in my home because my mother never remarried and she utilized her 11 brothers and the rest of the brethren to provide me with the good, the bad, the ugly so that I could make the decision to be a believer in what they believed in and that of course was Christendom. Okay, okay. Well on Daddy Man Radio we talk about four things, four challenges that fathers face in their fatherhood experience and four triumphs. So um, tell me about four of the things that you are really challenged by as a father? Well, I was challenged, first of all, being a father and not being married. Hmm. Because my first child was born out of wedlock. Okay, okay. So I was challenged with the fact that, according to my faith, I was supposed to have had a wife and not had children out of wedlock. Hmm. So I had to go through all of that 
scenario with those individuals who were in the church building who by the way had children themselves out of wedlock but they weren't so transparent as to talk about that so I had to deal with that so the challenge that I had was to go ahead finish school get the degree and move on challenged by a system in the early 80s that talked about fathers who were unwed fathers but yet we had support this is a whole new arena now when it comes to challenges and I'm so glad that I don't have to deal with some of the things that the young men deal with yet I help them within their challenges all right well when you say that uh you know that you didn't marry the the mother of your child what kind of difficulties did you face not being married well true story there was another woman who got pregnant so there were two women pregnant at the same time with the same name Mm. and here I'm born and reared in a wholesome home okay okay. but yet you're out fornicating all over the world Mm. listening to the word of God but my naturalism (laughs) fell through because I'm a natural man I said look I'll try to be political. So, I see that you love articulatory muscles. <laughs> so I'm going to articulate for you. You know, it's one good thing that you know. So, you know, yeah, you know. So when it comes to when it comes to being transparent, my story is my story. So as, as a, a unwed father. What are some of the hurdles and challenges you had to deal with dealing with the mother of your child? With with the grandmothers in a way and mothers in a way and aunts and uncles? How was it dealing with the mother of your child? Well, we have to remember that years ago, a lot of persons were not married. Mm. So I didn't fall into anything different. It was just during my time that I did it. They didn't expect Mark to do it. So my challenge was... Not one child now. It's two children out of wedlock. That's right, right, right. My challenge is, do you marry the first or you marry the second? So it ended up because of the pigmentation of the second woman that my family, you know, they like persons that are darkened by nature's son. Other than that, they would not have adopted me. But let's go with the fair-skinned woman. So I went with the fair-skinned woman who had my son okay who was my namesake yet my daughter she was without a father in the home but her father was always there i didn't have the challenge that a lot of people have today of course the women went back and forth i was always there emotionally psychologically spiritually because that was our game then we all went to the same places we all did the same people we didn't have a beef because as long as my daughter was accepted by the paternal side of the family, hmm. she was welcome to come in. There was no issue with that because as long as this man lives, he's going to be your daddy. So being your daddy, we might as well all get along, understand that. And of course, there was some bitter, there was some sweet. And to this day, they're siblings. It's not a half sister, half brother, because we don't roll like that. Okay. That's your sister, that's your brother. And that can be a challenge for people because that's not your mother. Let's cut that out. We didn't have that, but that was a challenge. Okay, okay. What are some of the other challenges you faced? Uh, that That's a big one. Knocked up two chicks? That's, that's a big one, man. <laughs> and I'm living today. 
Ashay. Oh, I'm living today. <laughs> because some people don't live through things like that. Right, right. The other challenge that I was faced with was once I did become married, you know, the challenge of having to leave Brooklyn, New York to come to Virginia. BK. How do I leave my daughter and come to Virginia with my son? Ooh. My wife, who I'm now divorced from, she was willing, but then we have the other woman who says, but my daughter is not moving from Brooklyn to Virginia to live with you. That was a challenge. So because my father, being who he was, who left this inheritance, I was able financially to get on the plane or drive the car to go back and forth. Because he did, in fact, and I heard it very plain earlier, leave an inheritance for your children's children. He left me enough that even my children's children should be able to have it. But because I had to fly back and forth and still cater to my daughter, and here we go. You know how it is when you go back home to Brooklyn. You have to have this big spiel. You have to buy this and buy that. But I didn't have to buy her love, but at the same time, it became difficult when she became of age. I want to go with my father. Hmm. How'd you navigate that? Well, you have to listen to what your mother's saying. Are you being abused? No, sir. Is anyone doing anything to you? No, sir. Well, that's going to have to be between you and your mother. Because if I push up on your mother too much, I'm going to have another issue with my wife. Because at that point, here we go. Why are you having all these conversations with your daughter's <laughs> mother? You're taking care of her. You're going there and calling on the phone. That can be a challenge. Let's keep it real. Okay. When you're having your daughter's mother call you, why is she calling you? She's calling me to tell me that's a challenge. But you have to be able to maintain yourself, first of all, as a man. Mm-hmm. See, because in order to be a father, you have to be male. Okay. But in order to be a good father, you have to become a man. So, here we go. I, I'm, my daughter's now about 13, and she's blossoming, and, you know, what do you say now? Well, I had to put some humor in there. You know, your name is no longer your name. It's NATO. What do you mean by that? No action, talk only. Uh-oh, Daddy. I'm, I'm helping you with that because your mother is not going to be able in a little while with these guys from the avenue ringing the bell that she's going to want to send you to your daddy. Hmm. So I had to put the brakes on a little bit, show my love, and because I had sons, it was easy for my daughter's mother to say, you know what, might be good for you to go to your daddy. So my daughter eventually came to Virginia and joined me. But you, but you navigated the waters there pretty Listen, politically correctly. It was, it wasn't <laughs> Listen now, I don't know if it was politically correct. It was the right thing to do. Okay. And I love my children as adults more than I did as children because... Ooh. My children as adults, they recognize the importance of parenting. They understand 
They're gifts that are irreversible. They understand that they're human. They understand that they're going to go through particular unusual difficulties with people that are not truthful to them, especially when you identify with an organization or a group. And the organization that I always identified with was the body of Christ. And when you deal within a body, you have to know that everyone in that body does not know the head. They try to get ahead with ideologies and all that type of stuff, but they really don't know who's running this because if you don't go into the 39 books, you can't get to the 27 books. So you have to know the old highway to go on the new highway. And when we take a look at that, again, my children will talk gospel to you, but in the gospel that they speak, they speak it for the time in which they were being read and the time in which they live now. I heard something just a few moments ago about the culture. I'm a father now with 12 children. My youngest child is 11. My oldest is 37. I'm a blended family because I'm remarried. All of the children that have been under my tutelage, especially with my money, I claim. <laughs> so what happens, I have adopted children because I was adopted myself. Okay. I respect adoption because my brother was adopted and his name was Jesus. I respect the fact that you're not here by immaculate conception, but at the same time, civilly, God is saying to me, give you a name. But more importantly, he's saying, adopt these children spiritually, which can be a challenge for a lot of people because they don't really understand why they're adopting. So all of my children that I have are not my biological children. And sometimes people will take that as a challenge too because they think, well, why are you taking these children? First of all, I've been gifted to do that. Hmm. I'm gifted to work with children. I'm gifted to work with adults. I'm gifted to work with humans because that's my gift. But at the same time, when you start parenting and you do it like I do it, the old time way, I have to now adapt to this culture of pressing these buttons. <laughs> you know, you have to learn. My, my 11-year-old son, you know, he, he doesn't have my DNA, but he has my love and he understands the environment. So when you're parenting, you become that father. Listen, you see what I do. I read. I pray. I don't let anyone get up too close on me. And I don't want you to do it either. I don't want you to disrespect people. Keep it real. Don't let other people make you who they want you to be. Be who God has made you to be. And once you do that, you won't have a problem no matter where you go. And that, again, can be a challenge for so many. You have to know where you stand. I wish some people could have been my dad. But then again, when I think about it, I am so grateful to my father who actually slept with a woman and they were able to extend me to my family. Okay, okay. All right, well, um, I know you have a really interesting challenge story dealing with your son in the school system. And I know there's some fathers who are watching this who are struggling to handle navigating the, the challenges when you're dealing with the systems. Tell us a little bit about that story. Well, that's my son, Mark. Uh, Mark was at the Virginia Beach Public Schools. And he was in the ninth grade at Cox High School. And he was suspended for a beep-up. 
a beeper that he found on his way to school. And when he got to school, they had just come up with the no communication device in the building. Okay. And uh, he told his teacher that he found it, but to no avail. He was suspended and recommended for expulsion. Well, here's the gift now from a father. I'm from Brooklyn. <laughs> BK. Now, here we come. We're in the house. What are you talking about? Well, being darkened by nature's sun, and if you know anything about Virginia Beach, we're in the creme de la creme. Cox High School. Gotcha, gotcha. So I asked them, what could we do? And they said, well, he's suspended, and we're recommending him for expulsion. I called my spiritual and intellectual father, the late Dr. William A. Jones. He said, Mark, we have to work on this thing. The next thing I knew, I was in touch with David Rockefeller. David Rockefeller being the, the nephew to our former vice president, Nelson Rockefeller, who was the governor at one time of New York. Okay. Well, when they saw the letter come from him, it was like, wow, what's going on? Long story short, my son was not expelled. I came in contact with the late Johnny Cochran, who wrote the position page for my ministry, my program, which is still in existence. And by the way, programs don't help, people do. We had to have a position page. You had to have a position page because you could not go into the schools talking a gospel. Well, I'm a preacher, teacher, counselor, coach, minister, mentor. All I know is that if the building's blowing up, you're not worried about state and church then. Can you come in here and pray? Well, you weren't praying <laughs> when you got my son jammed up, so I'm not going to pray now. We took 300 African-American parents before the school board. And I found at that time that many of the males were being dumped. They were being dumped into what they called an alternative school that really was not an alternative. It was just another mess. <laughs> so now what they intended for my son, this young man has matriculated and graduated getting his masters, just built a home because God intended for that circumstance and that situation for my son to happen so that I could help other people. I, I had a similar experience. I went to Western Branch High School my ninth grade year and the difference between going to a uh, white should say it, a white uh, institution and going to a predominantly black one is a family feel. They did not care at all. I was in the classroom. Uh, you seen the movie? Uh, what is it with Michelle Pfeiffer? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Dangerous Minds. I think. Right. I, mean, I was in the classroom just like that. They had they had to put us in in school suspension for the rest of the school year. Now I go to Norcom. Okay. We have a family field where you know the teachers actually cared about you. What's your name? Where you come from? What's who, was, your who was your Who was your principal? Is that uh, uh, Mr. Taylor? Oh, Taylor was there before Lynn Bradley. Yes, right. By the right, way, right. I, I pastored I.C. Norcom under the tutelage of Lynn Bradley. All right. Yes, sir. So you're from Portsmouth, not yes, P-Town. Sir. Yes, sir. Portsmouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Yes, this, this kind of brings us back to triumphs because you obviously triumphed over that yes. situation. Yes. You discussed the triumph that you had in, in, in fathering not just your son, but others. Oh, yeah. What are some of the other things you're proud of, other, other fatherhood experiences, other triumphs you've had as a father? Well, the triumphs that I am really, really happy about is that my sons can talk to me. And they can talk to me, 
and they can tell me when they're doing wrong or they can tell me when they're doing right. Mm. Okay. They can talk to me and tell me what they're feeling emotionally. They can tell me what they have done that's wrong. Not that I'm going to withhold them in that wrongness, but they can come to me for advice. Now, they're not always happy with what I say to them, but they know that they're going to hear it. That's why they come to their daddy first. Hmm. Because one thing daddy's not going to do, he's not going to withhold them in their wrongness. He's going to tell them it's wrong. And if it's something that is going to cause them problems with the law, I'll be the first one to say, I'm going to report you. Why would I do that? Yes, sir. I'm going to tell you why I would do it. Because if I'm teaching, and I'm teaching that to other young men, I can't have a double standard with my own children. True. So what happens with that, you do have one time, one time, that it's highly possible that I will go in the pocket if you've done something wrong. You might have that. <laughs> you might. But what you cannot do, you cannot continuously do that and call on your daddy. Because if you do that, when I'm older, everything that I've had, everything that I've stood for, would be an outright untruth. You can't speak one thing to another man's son and think that your boy or girl is better than that man's son. So what I will do, and my children will tell you, you know how he rolls. <laughs> Don't even do it. And they talk about that to this day. You know, daddy's not No, you can call me. What did you do? Because I've had some boys, my own boys, it's not to tell them business, that have gotten themselves in those situations. You know if you call in dad. Now, if it's something that somebody is doing to you, but if you go out there and wrongfully and willfully do something that you know you should not be doing, why are you calling me? You didn't ask me when you were doing it. Hmm. Now, the, mamas, the mothers will do something different. They will always go, regardless. But just think about that. Why would you even put that burden on your daddy? I agree. I agree. All right, so you, you're really teaching your sons to be responsible and hold themselves accountable for their actions. They and, have to be. Yeah. They have to be because what's going to happen when I get older? I want them to understand because this is going to reverse. I'm going to be older longer than I'm younger. They're going to be older longer than they're younger. They have to know what to do in the time when the time comes. Because it's not going to be on time. That's going to be right in time. That they have to move and act and do what they believe is right. So as, as you father and you do, I don't have all the answers. But it's one thing that I can answer to. Keep on living. When you keep on living, if you don't want children... You know what to do. Don't have them. Because it takes a lot. It does take a lot. And one of the great things about uh, Dr. Hayes, bro, Reverend Dr. Oh, you just want me to call you Mark today? Well, that's fine. You know, that's my <laughs> name. My parents named me Mark Jr. I, I don't get caught up on that. You know, some of my my brothers do who want to be pontifical you know yeah. they do that you know but all right well you're involved with the uh, national fatherhood initiative out of uh, washington dc yes sir so uh tell us how we as fathers can access some of those benefits and those resources and what are those benefits and resources and how did you get involved with that my gift uh, just being in the right place in time just opening up my mouth um, i met the president and CEO of the 100 Fathers Incorporated. 
from that um, he's a bro group. from that we went into the fatherhood working group where I was providing consultation and did not even realize to those persons who were working like Paul Montiero and Joshua Dubois who was right close to the president then to be put on the African American Excellence Committees and I think what they really like about me is that I'm very very transparent so my transparency and just my being real within a reality to tell them because some of the people who work in other places they have education but they're not educated and there is a difference I have the education so that I can deal but you have to be educated to the body of people they're not a population that you're working with so that was my segue to get through and now it's all the way to South Africa even if I don't go they're still calling and I'm saying why me and the God that I serve who is universal says that's the gift that I gave you but I come to you and I speak to you speak what I say and you will never have a problem so that's how I ended up there and that's how two years ago out of all of the men in America that wanted to meet with the president it's not about the president it wasn't the White House it's because God was always in my house it wasn't about Capitol Hill it was about Golgotha it was the hill that I could shake his hand and talk to him and I sat at table number eight which was a new beginning because I work with numbers colors and words because letters make words words make sentences sentences make phrases phrases make books you want a book I have 66 in one book just start reading it and you will be amazed <laughs> <laughs> and what are some of the things that uh, the National Fatherhood Initiative or well right now we're really trying to get people together we're trying to get them together okay and it's very hard with males honestly men have a hard time being together they, they you know they, they really want to show off they don't really know how to at times just relax and talk if it's not about the basketball game the football game it's a game that they play when they lie to themselves when they lie to other people about how good they're doing and we're not really doing good because we don't talk to each other hmm. so where I am on the national scene let's make it real I have no time for the foolishness because we've been fooling around too long and that's why we have the sin problem that we have let me, let me ask you a question. Go ahead, Polo. All right. I think that one of the main reasons why we can't get together like that is because our leaders now are giving to us instead of us choosing. So how do we get where we look? Where do we tell the gentleman my age? Follow after him. And who is him? Who is he? We got y'all to. No, we got y'all. But who is the leader for us? Y'all had Malcolm. Y'all had Huey. Martin, Marcus Garvey, Noble Drew Ali, Farrakhan. Do well, you, 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 do, you do have them because <laughs> what happens now, I work in Newport News. Okay. In the bottom. I'm not scared. I'll beat the brakes off the average one if you run up on me. But what happens, I use my humor and I use my heart. 
See, people will trust you when you're consistent and you're doing the same thing no matter where you go. If it's behind the pulpit, if it's on the street, and the trust is gone. I can't lead anyone unless I can lead myself. So when they point to me, even in my wrongdoing and my right doing, I have to be able to say I was wrong. And most of the persons that are leading, they don't want to be wrong. But I was wrong about that. So young man, and I can tell a young man, I love you and really show him what love is and what it is not. Hmm, now that's deep because with, with fathers, particularly those who are re-entering situations, a lot of times they have difficulty saying, I was wrong. Uh, they have difficulty being the leader and being transparent and saying, hey, I made a fault. Let's continue to work on it. And that's kind of what you're displaying. You see, you, you don't need a professional for that either. You just Ooh. need an honest person in stocking feet to say, let me talk to you. If the person is receiving it, go with it. If they're not, back off them. Because in time, they'll come back and they'll say, that's it. So, you know, all of these things that we see all across America now, no one man can do it. Okay. One last thing for the fathers. Uh, we have fathers listening, fathers growing and learning, being led and guided. Um, so, one last word for the fathers. Be on your game. And what, is your, and what is your game? Don't play games. Be real with what you do. Because when that seed comes, there's going to be a need. And the need is you have to love them, have to take care of them. Because one day you're going to be looking forward to the proceed. So where there's a need, plant that seed. If you're too needy and you're doing too many, just slow down. Don't, don't be in a hurry. Take your time. And if you do have children now, no matter where they are, whether you are paying child support, not paying child support, give it time and be able to speak, first of all, to the mother of that child. Because at some point, you had to get along to get the child here. <laughs> Don't forget that point. As my son told me one time, when I told him I didn't like his mother, he said, how can you hate my mother? And you slept with her. Wow. That's my word. All right. All right. Uh, man. <laughs> Yo, Polo, man. Another great uh, episode of Daddy Man Radio. Fatherhood focused. Go out and be a good father. Peace. Stay fly. 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 Stay fly.